The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. Good morning. We're glad that you are here with us to worship the Lord Jesus this morning. Uh, This morning, I let the team know that I was calling an audible, and actually, I don't think it was me that was calling an audible. I felt it was the Holy Spirit that was calling an audible. And so let me say to all of you families who typically download the worship guide every week to go along with, go ahead and download that, and I would encourage you to spend time this week with your family looking at uh, what we were intended to open the passage in Ephesians chapter 5 this morning, um, and do that during the week in preparation for next week. But this morning as I woke up, my heart was extremely heavy. I, I went to bed last night, and my heart was heavy. Uh, explained that when I got up this morning that I really had a sickening sense in my gut. And, and it wasn't a sickening against any particular group, against any particular people, but it was a turning in my heart and in my stomach that I was crying out, God, how do we as the body of Christ respond in the midst of a sick nation? And The verse that continued to come to my heart and mind as I was making my way here uh, to the office very early this morning was 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, and you're all familiar with this verse probably. Many of you may have it placard on your office or on your home walls, and I think sometimes we, we just placard verses there in those places, and it seems to lose its its significance and its meaning, and it just becomes sometimes another display of decoration on our home walls, and we don't heed the words that are written there. But Solomon, on the occasion after he had dedicated the temple that they had labored for seven years to build, is now back in his palace, in his home, and he's quietly there laying in bed, and the Lord comes to him. And he says, Solomon, if my people who are called by your name My people at that particular time, the nation of Israel, for us today as Christ followers, we are his people. We're called by his name. We were bought with a price through the precious blood of Jesus. And so he's speaking to us in application. And this morning, this is to the body, to the church, the bride of Christ. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, if, if you'll bow your knee and recognize me as God and place me above you, then I will hear from heaven. And if you'll, if you'll turn and seek my face, pursue me, come after me, follow me in righteousness, and if you'll turn from your wicked ways, your sins, he says, then, then, then I will hear from heaven. And I'll respond to your prayers of repentance and and your prayers of seeking after me. I'll hear from heaven and I will forgive your sins and I will heal your land. And folks, I believe this is the response that God has for us at this season, at this time in our nation. We are a sick nation and everywhere we look there's division and we've given over to the pleasures of life and sin and unfortunately the church has adopted much of the same mantra. 
To understand this verse, though, I think it's important that we look at the context of where it's taking place. Again, Solomon was the one who would build the temple that David had envisioned and, and dreamed of, but God would not allow David because David was a man of war, and his son Solomon was given the commission to build the temple, a place where the people of God would, would meet with God in that place. And for seven years they labored. And on this occasion, there's a huge festival that's taking place. And you can look at this in, in Second Chronicles chapter 6, if you'll turn your Bibles there. And, and the Scriptures tell us that Solomon was there, and he knelt down on a place, an altar, a, a square that was built for him for this significant reason and purpose. And he lifts up his hand, and he begins to cry out to God. There are several things that I want us to identify as we look at this in 2 Chronicles chapter 6 that, that Solomon prayed, and, and we see that there is application for us today as the body of Christ, the church, Christ followers, and the gathering, the assembly of the saints together. First of all, Solomon recognizes that, that this temple, this place was, was built for the specific means of, of God's people meeting with him. The application for us, because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit today, is that God has called us daily to meet with Him and to seek His face and to cry out to Him and to recognize that no building could have ever contained the presence of God. Solomon recognizes this in his prayer, that even this temple in all of its grandeur could never contain all of you. But, but the second reason that Solomon recognized that, that God had, had, had had him build this temple was not only to, to meet with God, but if you look at the tabernacle and the temple practices that, was, that were laid out, that the very sole purpose was so that man might seek God, meet with God, and have his sins forgiven. That was the reason. Because there was a divide between man and God, and in order to, to reconcile that, sins had to be forgiven. And the whole sacrificial system where animals and, and bulls and goats were sacrificed, that blood could never take away our sins, but it only provided a mere temporary covering. But now for us as a body of Christ, because Christ's blood has cleansed us from all sin, we have complete access to the throne of God where we can come before Him. You see, the temple was there not only to meet with God, to know that God dwelt among His people, but secondly, it was a place to deal with the sin issue that man had. Do you recognize that our greatest issue is a sin issue? There are other issues that come from that, but at the very core of all of that in our nation today, it is a sin issue that has to be addressed and has to be dealt with. But can I encourage you as a believer not to be looking at the world and their sins? You too and I were just like them. We need to look at ourselves. For judgment begins in the house of the Lord. And he calls us to, to have this sin issue dealt with. In Solomon's prayer, we, we recognize that, that there were sin issues that individuals had, and there were sin issues that the nation had as well. 
Just as we see today in our nation, there are sin issues that individuals have, and there are sin issues that the nation has as well. And can I tell you that sin will wreck and destroy the individual, and sin will also wreck and destroy the nation as well. He, he, he prays in this prayer for the individual, that if the individual is there at the altar and is going to, to offer a sacrifice and he's pleading innocent of something that he's really guilty of, that truth would be revealed in that place. Solomon prays that as the nation goes out to battle for whatever cause and in defense of the land, that if there is sin in the camp, if there's sin in the nation of Israel, and they go out and they do battle and find that they're defeated, they will come back to that place and confess their sins and repent of their sins and that they'll have healing for it. In this prayer that Solomon prays in chapter 6, there are a number of other variety of problems that Solomon recognized would come on the nation as a result of sin. Some of those that he mentions in this prayer is, is that their crops may fail. Now, we are not a nation particularly that are dependent on our crops that we would sow today. But, but our crops can fail. We're in the middle of an economic devastation in our nation right now. And in that sense, there, there is a crop that has failed and is failing. And forecasters say it's going to come back, but we don't know. God uses these things sometimes to get our t- attention. He says, if the crops fail, if there's pestilence such as the flu or, or other things, sickness that might come, that if the crops are damaged because of, of natural causes that your people would turn and confess their sins and, and would call on you to, to heal their land. I find it interesting in, 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 in this same prayer, he prays that, that as the nations, the other ethnos, the other people groups would come to Israel, to the temple, that they would recognize that God is God Almighty, and as a result, they would turn their hearts to Him And I couldn't help but think how God has favored our nation and blessed our nation where the whole world comes to us. And church, he has called you and I in this opportunity where the world is coming to us. We have a commission that's been given to us that we would share the gospel and the good news, not to look to close our doors to other nations. Now, don't jump on a bandwagon here. I'm not proponent of open borders. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But the other extreme of this is absolutely anti-Christ, that we would want to shut ourselves down from those outside. We have been a nation blessed with the propagation of the gospel, and God has called us to proclaim it. What an opportunity we have squandered in the body of Christ. We find in verse 1 of chapter 7, after Solomon praise this magnificent prayer, that what happens is is fire comes down from heaven, and it consumes all that's there. Not only does fire come down from heaven, but the glory of God rests on the place so much that the priest couldn't even approach it. 
God's glory, his presence, his name, it's not a mystical fog, but it is the very presence of God in the midst of his people, that the people couldn't even contain the glory of God. Oh, that God would meet us when we come together corporately to praise and to worship him, that we would have a sense that we are in the presence of God, no longer looking for what satisfies us and what we want to have happen, but that our faces would be turned to God and we'd call on him and we'd seek his face and fire would consume us, the fire of the Holy Spirit. Now, after all of the festivities are done, it carries on for eight days. All of the people go back to their villages there from Jerusalem at the dedication of the temple. They go back to their homes and and Solomon goes back to the palace there where he would rest and lay his head. And I kind of picture the scene that, that we often may experience or have after we, after we leave that high moment, maybe in Atlanta after the 1996 Olympics were over. We had done all the preparation and we had all of the celebrations. And then when it was over, it's like, what now? You see, it's great to have those experiences. It's great to have those experiences with God. Sometimes it's after those that God gets our attention. And he comes to Solomon and he says to him, recorded in verse 12 of this chapter 7. Let me back up to verse 11. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house, his palace, All that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his own house, he successfully accomplished. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night, and he said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Now, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people. Verse 14, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, forest fires, floods, all of these events we call natural disasters, and they are. Sometimes God in His sovereignty and His plan allows a nation to suffer these things in order to get their attention. I'm no prophet, but as I look at the events that are taking place in our nation, and not only in our nation, but around the world, it seems like God is trying to get our attention. I was thinking this morning back to the occasion of 9-11, and after 9-11, it seemed though as though you couldn't have enough church services to house the people. But after time passed, it began to dwindle and dwindle and dwindle. And now here we are again. Major crisis that has hit our nation, COVID-19. And yet it seems as though maybe the body of Christ at large has kind of gotten used to or passe with the Zoom meetings or with the Facebook Live or whatever platform we might be using, and, and we're, we're now just going about our way because things seem to be getting better. Things are opening up. 
As a result of this, we have, we have seen uh, economic devastation, not only in our nation, but around the world as well. And I'm not a doomsdayer. I'm not saying it's going to get worse. I'm not going to say it's going to get better. But I do believe that God's trying to get our te- attention. And now as a nation, as we see the injustice that had taken place and the response to that, where no longer is it, is it a protest, but now it's, it's riots and destruction and other innocent life being lost as a result of that. Church, God is trying to get our attention. He's trying to get our attention. You see, for too long, the body of Christ has not only has the nation seemed to have turned from God, but, but we as the body of Christ have seemed to have turned away from God where we have transitioned to where it used to be that we would come together corporately to meet with God and to to weep at the altar over our brokenness. Now it seems as we want to come to, to see what the show is and to see how we might critique the performance that was done for us on that day. It seems as though that, that there was a deep need to, and a hunger for God And now it's turned to what programs are you going to implement so that me and my family might be satisfied in those and I will have activities for my family to do under the Christian guise. It it seems as though we have, not seems, we have turned away from the exposition of the Scriptures, the Word of God, to catchy phrases of series that we might bring, and be careful so as it doesn't offend anyone. Be careful that we don't turn away the seeker, and we've watered down, and we no longer preach, thus saith the Lord. We've so compromised the Word of God that, that we would allow the agendas of the world, which is mainly a pleasure-seeking and a sex-gratifying, what's-in-it-for-me kind of mantra to infiltrate. And rather than saying, no, this this is not what the Word of God says, we say, then we can just all meld together and we'll have some ecumenical thing. Because, by the way, there's, there's many roads and maybe there's not just one way. It seems as though that the body of Christ has has lost sight of the realization that that the Lord Jesus is tarrying so that those uh, whosoever will have the opportunity to be a part of that family and have their sins forgiven and have a hope of eternal salvation in God's presence forever. You see, we seem to have lost sight of the mission that He has given to us, that we would go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. Why? So that we might magnify and glorify Him. He has called us on a mission. And folks, I think this is a window of opportunity that God has given us. And I don't know when Jesus is going to return. I know He's going to. But in the meantime, let us not forget the mission that he's called us to so that others might hear the gospel, that we would share the love of Christ with them, and that they too might turn and receive salvation from Christ. 
As you look at the history in the nation of Israel, they would, in fact, after this time and many times over, they would forget the prayer that Solomon prayed there in the temple. And, and it would perpetuate and continue through their nation that God would eventually give them over and they would be taken captive by foreign nation, Babylon in particular, and taken away and held into captivity. After 70 years of being held there in captivity, I find it interesting that Daniel prays a very similar prayer to what Solomon prayed there in 2 Chronicles. It's a lengthy prayer, and I'm going to begin in Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, all the way through verse 19. So hear the word of the Lord this morning. Verse 3 begins, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking Him by prayer and pleas for mercy, and fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turned aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belong righteousness, but to us open shame, as at this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away. And all the lands to which you have driven them because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame. To our kings, to our princes, and to our fathers because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness for we have rebelled against him. And we not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants and prophets. All of Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and the oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entered the favor of the Lord, entreated the favor of the Lord, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore, the Lord God has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done. And we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt Egypt, with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself, as to this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from the city of Jerusalem, your holy hill. 
because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all those around us. Now, therefore, O God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear, open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. Oh, Lord, hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. Oh, Lord, pay attention and act. God, don't delay for your own sake. Oh, God, because your city and your people are called by your name. What I want to ask you to do is right where you are, whether you are in your home, whether you're out in the yard watching, wherever you might be, I want to ask you to join myself and some of the staff that are here. We're going to make our way to the altar, and we're going to start individually confessing any known sin that comes to our heart and our mind for us individually and then confessing our sins as a body of Christ and as a church and oh God we're going to seek you church I call on us to to seek God's face to pray and and again some ask what would our response be during these times I, I think a good place to start is in the Sermon on the Mount Matthew 5, 6 and 7 that we would respond in like manner and seek God's face and walk holy before Him. Just bow where you are. And let's seek the Lord during this song. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.